Well, good morning and welcome to the Mount. We are in week number two of a series titled This or That, where for the month of January, we are talking about biblical principles around the idea of decision making and helping us make better decisions. If you are joining us for the first time today, maybe you are here at our Stafford campus down at Fredericksburg or online, wherever you happen to be, one of the basic premises, one of the basic overarching themes behind this series is this, is that there is power in our decisions. There is tremendous, immense, tremendous power in the decisions that we make on a daily basis. In fact, researchers estimate, I don't know how they know this, but they estimate that the average human being, you and I, we make somewhere around, and don't miss this number, somewhere around 35,000 decisions every single day. Some of those decisions are those big, life-altering decisions that we pray through and think through and plan and get wisdom and seek counsel and stress over and stay up late at night over. But a numerous of those decisions, a number of them are those mundane, everyday, regular, the habits that we do, the things that are almost on automatic autopilot, the decisions that we make without ever even thinking about it. And whether the decision is a big decision or one of those small habits that we do all the time without thinking about it, the reality is is that those decisions have tremendous, immense power. They have the ability, and I don't know if you know this, but you are one decision away from changing your life for good or bad. Why? Because the decisions you make today determine the story you tell tomorrow. Your decisions determine your story, who you are, the life that you live, where you are. For the most part, there are some, yeah, some situations that are different. But for the most part, the decisions you make and the story that you tell are connected together intimately. And so that leads us to ask the question throughout this series. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? Your decisions determine your story. What story do you want to tell? Do you want to tell a story of pain? Heartache, regret, shame, remorse? Or do you want to tell a story of faithfulness, obedience, sacrifice, and blessing? Your decisions determine your story. What story do you want to tell? Last week, for those of you that are here, you'll remember that we said that there's some good news and some bad news around this topic. And the good news is that you and I as human beings, we are made in what Scripture says the image of God. What this means is a, it's a theological saying that means that you and I as human beings, whether we follow Jesus or not, whether we're kind of just checking this church thing out or we're all in, regardless of that, we are made in the image of God as human beings, which means there are things about our character, our quality of our life, the things about our, our nature and what we do that are made to mirror or be an image of the same characteristics and qualities that God has. And one of the things we see in Scripture from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, is that God is a brilliant decision maker. His decisions are wise. They're just. His decisions are righteous. His decisions are holy. His decisions are perfect. He never decides something to later regret it and feel pain and remorse and regret. No, his decisions are good. And you and I are made in his image. So therefore, we are inherently good decision makers. But... 
The bad news, for those of you that are familiar with the biblical story, is that just two chapters later, what theologians would call the fall, this episode where, where Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, they step outside of the, the boundaries that God has for them, and they take fruit from a tree that they, it was forbidden and not for them, and they, they, they fall, and Scripture tells us that sin enters the world and the earth becomes cursed, which means that everything in creation is cursed, including our ability and our capacity to make decisions. And so last week we, we dove into this because we said the reality is that you and I are bad at making decisions. We're just bad at it. No matter how good we think we are, we're bad. A lot of our decisions are selfish. And I don't know, maybe you're like, no, like I'm, I'm like a pretty like high-level corporate person or military or private contractor or, you know, Kroger, whatever you do. I'm really high up there. I know what's going on in my life, and I make great decisions. You may think that, but the reality is you probably still regret and feel shame and pain over the decisions you make. I know me for personally, I make thousands of decisions every single day. But there are still moments, there are still days where in the 30-second commute from the conference room to my office, I can regret the decision that I made when I left that table because I make bad decisions sometimes. And so last week, we kind of, to set the groundwork, the framework for this series, we talked about some of the reasons why we make bad decisions. And if you were here, you'll remember that we said one of the reasons we make bad decisions is because we suffer from decision fatigue. We're just overwhelmed, stressed. We have too many decisions to make on any given day. And the more decisions we make, the worse our decisions become. It's this kind of time effect. The, the more we make, the worse they become. And so what happens is at the end of the day, we are most vulnerable to bad decisions. And so one of the, the practical things we say in Scripture is we see that Scripture is full of examples of people who are aware of this, whether they instinctively knew it or not, but they're aware. And so what they did was they decided ahead of time what they would do later. They decided, they said, you know what, I'm going to have moments where I might feel weak, moments where I might not make the best decision, moments where I might let my emotions get control of me. So instead of waiting for those moments and the heat of the battle and the temptation, no, I'm going to decide now when X happens, I will respond with Y. I will do Y. They decided ahead of time what they would do before they got put in the situation or the circumstance. We also said that we make bad decisions because we are uh, put too much trust in our emotions. We also say we make bad decisions because we care too much what other people think. We want to please people. We want to make them happy. We want to make sure no one's upset at us, no one's mad at us, no one's frustrated. And we also said that one of the things we're going to lean in today is we said one of the reasons we make bad decisions is because we are just afraid of making the wrong choice. And I don't know about you, maybe you've been there. Those moments in life where you're, you're trying to decide between this or that. And sometimes it's incredibly clear, right? You're like, man, this, this is obviously clear. This one's a no. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this one. And it's obviously clear. But what about those moments where it's a gray area and we're unsure and we're not really ready to commit or make that decision? And we, we wrestle and we go back and forth because whether we're a believer in Jesus or not, we don't want to make the wrong decision. We don't want to regret it later. We don't want the pain and the heartache of knowing that we chose to do something that was wrong and now we have to live with the consequences. We struggle with making it when we're choice between two different things. And so we wrestle with it. And for those of us that are believers, those of us that follow Jesus who have committed our life to him, a lot of times this question comes out in the form of this. It says, how do I know what God's will is? In fact, I would say in, in 20 years of ministry, this is probably the most common question I am asked on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. 
Adam, my wife and I, my husband and I, my kids and I, my friends and I, my girlfriend and I, we're trying to decide X. How do we know what God's will is for this? Should we move? Should we stay? Should we go? Should we stay? Should we do this or not? There's just so many questions. How do we know what God's will is for my life? We want to know, well, God, what would you want me to do? And maybe you're like, man, I, I've never asked this question in my life because I, I'm new to this whole church thing. I've never even understood anything about the Bible. Let me just say this. You may have never asked this question, but I believe with everything in me, you've felt this question in your soul. You've wondered, is this really the right thing for me? Am I missing something? Is there something else? What does God have for me? We see this all the time. Maybe you're like in this phase right now, you're deciding what college to go to. And we don't want to make the wrong choice. We want to make sure we know what God's will is. Because think about it, we, and we try to rationalize this in our mind. We're like, okay, I can go to this college or this college. But if I go to this college, and what if that's not the one that God wanted me to go to, and then I go with this major, and then I go into this career, then I get this job, is the next 50 years of my life going to be a mistake and outside of God's will because I chose to go to the wrong college? Oh, it's exhausting. And then just think about when it comes time to deciding who we're going to marry. Right? We're told in our culture you need to find the one. <laughs> There's 8 billion people in the world. Take out half of them, they're the opposite sex. That means you've got to find one person out of 4 billion people that God has for you. And you're like, okay, like, i got to find that person. And maybe you're like, you, you see her at church, and she's like in the front row with her hands up worshiping, and she's carrying a Bible, like a study Bible, so you know she's committed to this thing. And you're like, oh, she's really cute, I'm interested in her. But like, as you go to talk to her, you see her parents or someone around, and so you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. And you chicken out, and then what happens if she gets married to someone else? In your mind, you're like, what if that was the girl that God had for me? And now she married someone else, and they had kids, so their whole family is not part of God's plan. And I ruined it because I was afraid. Whew. that's a lot of pressure. Like, how do we know? Like, God, I, there's this job or this job. How do I know? There's this college or this college. How do I know? There's this school for my kids. How do I know? Is it, is it private? Is it public? Is it homeschool? How do I know? What house do I purchase? What, what church do I decide to go to? The answer is the mount. That's God's will. But just like, you, you know, like what, what church do I go to? I just don't understand because we want to know. We want to know, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Why? Because none of us want to live a life that's not part of the plan. We want to be where God wants us. And maybe we don't believe in God, but we still want to be a part of what that plan is for our life, the ideal plan for us. And maybe, maybe you're much more spiritual than I am, but I, I, at times I find myself almost like playing games with God. Like a little bit of like Gideon and Judges chapter 6. And if you're not familiar with the story, just read it on your own. But the idea here is that like, you know, like you're, you're wrestling with the question, should I do this or should I do that? And so you're like, God, I'm, I'm, okay, if the next three stoplights are green, I know that it is this one. <laughs> or God, I'm going to get on 95 and it's 8 a.m. And if there's no traffic, I know what you want me to do. Maybe you're like wrestling with a relationship and you're, you're a female and you're like, I don't know if I should date this guy, should I marry this guy? And you're like, God, I promise if the next song that comes on is Taylor Swift, I'm committing my life to this dude. Like, I've had conversations with people who have moved their entire family overseas to be full-time missionaries. And they picked the country because they said, we just told God, 
whatever, whatever country they say next on the news, that's where we're going. Because we want to know. Like, God, what's your will for my life? What do, you, what do you have for me? How do we figure this out? And so here's what I want to do as we continue this series on decision-making. I want to help us just kind of get some clarity around this idea of God's will. And then we'll look at something incredibly practical that I think can help us make better decisions. And so let's pretend, like, just go with me here. Let's just pretend that this screen, like the screen, is what I'm going to call the providential or sovereign will of God. Nothing exists off of the screen because the only thing that exists in the universe is what God has providentially said can exist. He's sovereign. He's God. God is God. He is in control. The providential will then is everything that God is going to do regardless of human activity or human desire or human intervention. Let me give you some examples. God decided, I'm going to create the earth. Nobody could have stopped that, even if there was people. Nobody could have stopped it. Nobody could have done anything. The angels couldn't thwart the plan. Nothing. Because God had providentially in his sovereignty decided it's what he was going to do. Another example. God in his providence decided at this time, in this place in history, I'm going to send my son. And that is the plan for redemption and salvation for all of the broken, fallen people in the world. Humanity could not stop that plan. It was God's plan. It was providential. It was going to happen regardless of any human activity. It's the providential or sovereign will of God. Now, within this providential, sovereign will of God is what I'm going to call the revealed will. The revealed will is the will, if you're taking notes, this is the will that we see that God has already revealed to you and I as human beings. This is the will that is primarily revealed to us through the Bible or Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. These are the things that God has already said. These are my desires, my plans, my hopes. And my dreams for you as a human being, they are revealed to us already. He has already showed them to us. He has already spoken them to us. Let me give you some examples. Let's just pretend, and I'm not really doing this. Let's just pretend that I am weighing the decision. Should I do this or that? Should I murder this person or not? No. Be very clear. The answer is no if you're deciding that. Why? Because God has already revealed that his will for you is not to murder someone. His desire is not for you to murder someone. So it's not a question of should I do this or should I not, because he has already told you what his will for you is in that moment. It's his revealed will. Another example, you might be saying, okay, like, Adam, like, should I, like, like, I'm married but man, my spouse and I, we're just going through some hard times right now. But this other person, this, this male or female, they're kind of cute and we've been flirting together. Adam, should I flirt back with him and maybe cheat on my wife or my husband? No. No. Why? Because God has already revealed the boundary, the expectation, and his desire on this topic. You don't have to wrestle with the decision, is this God's will for me? Because the answer has already been spelled out. One more example, and then I think you'll get the point. Maybe you're wrestling with, man, like, my income's great right now. God, should I, like, be selfish with my money and use it all for myself? Or should I take care of other people and give it to the kingdom? No. No. Like, 
Because God has already revealed that money is not for you. It's not about our happiness. He says in scripture that it is for his glory, his good. It's to use to bless others, to bless our families, and to advance his kingdom. So when we're wrestling with that decision, it's not a matter of God is your will for me to hoard all this. No, he's already revealed it. It has already been spoken. It's already been written. It's already there. And here's what's important about this. I believe with everything in me that what God has already said or spoken and written into scripture is sufficient beyond a shadow of a doubt for every area of our life to live faithfully and obediently to what God is calling us to do. Now, here's the next part. Within that revealed will, many of us, and this is what we're looking for, what I'm going to call is the individual or personal will. And this is what does God have for me and you? What does he have for us? And this is what we want to know. Like, God, where's the dot? Where's the bullseye? Where's the target that I am aiming for so that my life can be exactly in the center of God's will and I can live that dot the way you want it to live where I look back when I'm 80, 90 years old and I look back on a life that was exactly planned the way you wanted it to be. God, what is the details of my life? This is what we want to realize and know. And now, this is also where we get paralyzed. This is where we struggle because we're like, man, I don't want to miss this dot. I don't want to, I don't want to get it wrong. I want to make sure that I'm exactly where God has me. I don't, I don't want to miss this. Allow me, and maybe you, you've thought this before. This morning, allow me to just, just indulge me. Allow me to kind of maybe reframe your thinking on this and to encourage you for a second. What if, trust me, what if there is no dot for your life? What if, instead of some dot that is this perfectly planned out, intimate details of every moment of your life, of how you should respond and to what you should decide and what you should do to make sure, like, it's this, this natural, national history, like, treasure thing where you have to find the right clues and the right map to live the plan that God has for you. What if, instead, there is tremendous and immense freedom? What if? Instead of trying to find this very specific plan that God has for you in every detail of your life, what if there's freedom? Wouldn't that make choosing this or that so much easier? Let me give you an example. Think about Adam and Eve, the first two human beings alive. They're in this garden, this place of perfection. And God tells them, hey, I've got a boundary for you. I'm going to reveal something to you. That tree over there, don't eat it. But you can do whatever else you want. God didn't tell them, don't eat that tree. Only eat that one on Mondays. Make sure you build your house over there. Make sure you take this sort of job, Adam. Even make sure you're not working. Stay at home with the kids. Like, he didn't plan out all those details. He said, no, 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 no. Here's what I'm revealing to you. Here's the boundaries. And anything else besides that thing, it's out of the bounds. But anything else that's in the circle, you have immense freedom, Adam and Eve. Live the life you want to live within the boundaries of what I have already revealed to you. There is freedom. So 
found in the will of God. Psalm 119.45 says it this way. Take a look. It says, I will walk in what? Let's try this again because I don't feel like you're owning it. Down in Fredericksburg, let's try this again. I will walk in. For I have devoted myself to your. In other words, I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I have chosen obediently to live out what you have already revealed. In other words, you will never, don't miss this, if you are walking in obedience to what God has already revealed. Why? Because scripture is complete and it's essential and it has everything you will ever need to know to live a good and faithful and holy and pure life. If you are walking in everything that God has already revealed, if you are in that circle of the things that God has already done, then you have freedom to choose this or that. Why? Because you will never step outside of the God's will in those moments because you are in the circle and God's spirit and his presence is leading you and walking with you. So therefore, every decision, this house, that house, this school, this school, that call, whatever, it doesn't matter because all of them, your life is surrounded by the will of God. So you're always in the center of what he's doing. There is freedom within the will of God. And you're like, ah, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me, like, let me make this a little more practical. We're, we're deep theological here. Like, how many of you have ever played uh, pool or billiards at some point in your life? If your hand's not up, that's okay. Like, this should still make sense. So in, in pool, uh, I don't like the word billiards, I like pool better. So in pool, there's a table and there's balls. And the idea is that two people are playing, and I know there's like variations, some of you are like, man, I play professionally. I get that. Like in the basic terms, there's, there's stripes and solids and then the eight ball. In pool, if you are stripes, that means the balls have a stripe on them. If you're solids, the balls have no stripe, they're solid color. If you are solids, your goal is to hit in all the solid balls. If you are stripes, your goal is to hit in all the stripe balls. Really the only boundary the only rule, the only revealed guideline is don't hit the eight ball in until it's time. But if I'm stripes, as long as I don't hit in that eight ball, I can choose which ball to hit first. I can choose which pocket to hit them into. There is freedom within the rules of the game. This is a lot like God's will. When you stay within the boundaries of what is already revealed, there is immense freedom and joy. And so in those moments where you're trying to decide, God, is it this or this? And you don't hear clearly from the Spirit. Here's my advice. Choose whichever one you want. Don't stress and worry. If you want that house and not that house, choose that house. And you're like, but Adam, like, that doesn't match what I, I know about God because God doesn't want me to be happy. <laughs> like, following God's will means my life needs to be restrictive and difficult and painful and hard. Yeah, there are seasons and there are moments where following Jesus is a sacrifice. I get that. But just look at Psalm 37.4 for a second. What does it say? Take delight in the Lord. Not begrudgingly follow the Lord. Not pout about what the Lord is doing. And he will give you what? Well, that. So if I take delight, if I live within his bounds, if I follow what he has revealed, he's going to give me the desires of my heart? In other words, when you are within what God has already revealed, there is immense freedom to do the things and make the decisions 
that bring you joy. Because you're already in his will. You're already living the way he wants you to live, which means the spirit is already moving you and guiding you. What's God's will for your life? Don't miss this. His individual, personal will for you will always be found within the boundaries of what he has already revealed. I'm going to repeat that. His individual, personal will for you will always be found within the boundaries of what he has already revealed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3a says it this way. It is God's what? Huh, it's going to answer the question for us. We could have just read this and been done, right? It is God's will that you should be sanctified or holy or pure or set apart or different. In other words, it's God's will that you follow what he's revealed. So here's a question. In your life right now, where have you wandered out of the protective boundary of what God has revealed as his will? Where are you stepping outside what scripture says? Maybe you're like, man, let me just like, there's, there's some things in my mind that I'm struggling with. Where are you wandering? I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in scripture several times, it refers to human beings as sheep. Now, I don't know if you know anything about sheep, and so this is not me saying anything about you guys, but sheep are very, very stupid and dumb animals. And so, you know, scripture says we're sheep, sheep are stupid, you take that however you want to take that, okay? But here's, here's what I know about sheep, is sheep, if you've ever like watched videos and trainings on sheep and how they do it, it's fascinating because what a sheep does is a sheep is walking with its other sheep and there's a shepherd over there. And this is literally a sheep, and so I'm going to demonstrate this for you, so just humor me for a second. A sheep is kind of walking and they're like, meh. Bah, nibble, 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 eating some grass. And they look around, oh, more green grass. Bah, bah, nibble, 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 eating some grass. Bah, bah, nibble, 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 bah, bah, nibble. And just, I want you to notice, just kind of step by step, they're just following the grass. Nibble, 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 bah, bah, bah. Until one day they look up and they're lost and alone outside of the protective boundaries of their shepherd. Some of you, you want to make a good decision? Maybe you've been wandering step by step, little decision by little decision, outside of what God has already revealed, the protective boundaries of Scripture for your life. And maybe today, you need to come back. You need to surrender. Because like here, I don't know about you, but for me, I always ask this question. What is God's will? But maybe, maybe a better question is this. Am I surrendered to what God has already revealed? Instead of wanting to know, like, God, should I do this or this? What's your will? I wonder if sometimes God's like, why would I give you an answer when you don't even listen to the things I've already told you? Like, you want to be in my will? 
Do the things I've asked. Live the way I've asked. Trust me the way I've asked you to trust me. Do those things and everything else in your life will be so easy and so breezy. And you'll be able to make decisions no matter hard or difficult. Why? Because you will be in the center of my will and you will know that I am with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. And then you can just choose. And even if you fail, it doesn't matter because I will walk through that failure with you because you are in the center of the will I have for your life. And there is freedom It's the same decision that Adam and Eve had to face in the garden. Will we surrender to the revealed will that God has for us? It's the same decision that Jesus had to surrender to in the garden of Gethsemane when he was choosing, God, my will or your plan. Surrender. It is the greatest decision you will ever make. It matters more than this question. This is the one that matters. Now, Here's the, here's the hard part. Some of us are on different levels or phases or spectrums when it comes to our surrender to what God has revealed. Maybe you're here today and this is be you. You would say, I want what I want now. I'm not surrender. I want what I want and I want it now. You see this in Genesis chapter 16 but the story of Sarah and Abram. And it says this. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She's like, I want children. Like, you haven't given me any children. You're old. You're getting gray. We're getting wrinkly. I want children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go sleep with my slave. Perhaps what? Perhaps perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. In other words, she said, listen, God may want us to have kids and he may not. You know what? But I'm tired of waiting for God. I'm tired of waiting. I don't know what his plan or his will is. So you know what? I want what I want now. So here's what we're going to do. I can make this work. I can make this happen. I'm going to step up and put my will and my plan and my commotion into what I want to do. Instead of surrendering to what God wants, this is about me, me, me in this moment. And here's what's going to happen. And we do this. Why? Because she wanted And this is part of the problem with the American church right now, is we live in a world where everything about our life says, if it doesn't make you happy, don't do it. We live for our happiness and wanting what we want. It's like there's this theology of happiness where the bottom line for everything in our lives is what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. And when I get those things, I'm going to go for it. Why? Because what I want is what I want, and I want it now. Now, maybe you're not that extreme. You're like, I'm not there. Like, I'm I'm past that. Maybe for you, you're more like this. You're like, I want what God wants, but. And let me just say, that's a really big but for some of you. Pun intended. I thought there would be a joke there, but there was not. So, man, just got to fix that later. Um, You want what God wants, but you want it on your terms. In your way. You want it with like this escape clause almost. You see a powerful example of this in Mark chapter 10. Uh, Jesus having a conversation with this rich young ruler. And it's interesting. He has a conversation with him that he doesn't have with anyone else in scripture. And it's funny because the rich young ruler, it's, he's not having this conversation because the guy has money. He's having the conversation because the guy's money has him. And let me just read this to you. Jesus looked at him. 
The guy's asking, like, what do I need to do to follow you? How can I live for you? Jesus looked at him and said, and, and loved him. He says this in love. He says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, for he went away sad because he had great wealth. In other words, this guy was like, I want to follow you. I want to I be with you. But I don't want to give that up. I want what you want, God. But I don't want to give that up. I want what you want, God. But I don't want to stop looking at that on my phone. I want what you want, God. But I don't want to forgive that person. I want what you want, God. But I don't want to stay in this town. I want what you want, God. But 15 more years in the service is a long time. I want what you want, but what about you? You see this all throughout Scripture. The first story in the Bible, Adam and Eve, we've talked about it a lot. They wanted to enjoy intimate fellowship and relationship with God, but they also wanted that fruit. Jonah wanted to preach and reach the Ninevites, but he didn't want to love them. David a man after God's heart. He wanted to follow and obey, but he also wanted a little Bathsheba on the side. And lastly, maybe for you, and this is my prayer, is that all of us, when it comes to making decisions around the idea of surrender, we would get to this place. I want what God wants, period. I want what God wants, period. Watch how Jesus invited some people to follow him. Look at the standards that he put on them. This is in Luke chapter 9. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That word, that word deny in the original Greek, it, it means to disavow, reject, or disown. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, you want to follow me? You want to be in God's will for your life? You want to know where I want to take you and what I want to do with you? Then you have to disavow, disown, reject, and deny your own will. In other words, to be in the center of God's will, you have to live a life of complete and absolute surrender. And then and only then are you where God wants you to be. It's not easy. It's not hard, but it's not easy. And let me just promise you, there will be moments when it is joyful. And you were deciding between this or that. And you're like, God, I am so thankful that I get to choose between one of these, and I love them both. But there will also be moments where he will take you places you never thought he would take you. And it will be hard and painful and difficult because the center of God's will has freedom. Freedom for joy and freedom for sadness. And the biggest decision you will ever make is between this or that. His will or your will. God's will for your life is to surrender to what he has already revealed and through the power of his spirit, trust the rest. Let's pray.
Father, we are so thankful for your, um, God, your word. God, the way you the way you use scripture, the way you use stories and people and words on a page to come alive and show us and convict us and challenge us and encourage us. And God, speaking of encouragement, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you are, you are going through like a season right now. And you, you know that you have made a decision or a string of decisions or you have just simply been a sheep who is wandering step by step, but there is an area of your life, a realm, a sphere, a certain thing, where if you are really, really honest, you are outside of the revealed will of God for you. Today, surrender that to him. As your pastor, I want to be able to pray. If you're wrestling with that today and you're saying, Adam, there's, a, there's, a, there's something I've been doing, I've been thinking or saying or looking at or struggling with or a decision that I know I now regret because it took me outside of the protective fold of the revealed will of God. And today I want to surrender that thing or that thought or that life back to you. I want to pray for you. Wherever you are at all of our campuses, would you just raise your hand if that's you? I see your hands. Father, I pray for every hand that is raised. I pray that you would be the good shepherd who lovingly, he doesn't beat his sheep, but lovingly carries them back to the protection of his will. As we continue praying, maybe you're here at all of our campuses and you would say, man, there's not just an area of my life I haven't surrendered. It's my whole life. I live for me. What makes me happy, what makes me feel good, what brings me joy. And let me just tell you, that's fun for a while. And it might be fun your whole life. But at some point, it'll stop being fun. And that's why 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth to die for you. To pay the punishment of your sins, your selfishness, your desire to have your own will. He paid the punishment for that and three days later rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin, so that by you calling out to him and asking for forgiveness and surrendering your life to him, you can be changed forever in an instant. And if you want to make that decision today at all of our campuses, if you're online, you can click the button, but at all of our physical campuses, just in the stillness of this moment, would you just be bold? Surrender your life to Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. Raise it high so we can see it. I surrender to you, Jesus. If your hand is raised, pray this prayer with me. Father, I am a sinner. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Be my king. Be my Lord. I surrender my life. 